Welcome to Why Everybody Hates You, an audio support group for reputation professionals. If you have any responsibility for how people talk, think, and feel about your organization, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, reputation coach, Daisy Powell Chandler. Welcome back, team. Thank you for joining me for season two of Why Everybody Hates You. 2020 was a pretty wild year for all of us. And for this series, I'll be interviewing communicators from organisations that had an especially weird time of it. And how could I start that lineup with anyone other than Zoom? For our launch episode, I spoke to Charlotte Holloway, Zoom's Director of Government Affairs for UK and Ireland. In an irony that did not escape us, we had some technical difficulties. I didn't blame Zoom and Charlotte very politely didn't blame me. But it does mean that the sound isn't quite as pristine as usual. I'm sorry about that and I hope it doesn't stop you from enjoying the show. I kicked off by asking Charlotte what it was like to start work at Zoom in 2020. (laughs) Well, it's... um... I mean, it's definitely a, a, a full-on sort of roller coaster ride when you you sort of join a company uh, in the midst of a pandemic that is that has had to grow at, at scale. You know, we've got 300 million users uh, globally, which is which is a sort of staggering staggering number. Uh, but companies really treated this this time with real humility, and we've stepped up to the challenge. You know, in a way, having you know, we have many new data centers around the globe to to step up to the challenge, hiring a, a rate of knots. Uh, we now have more, more members of staff that haven't met another person uh, face-to-face than, than have, which I think is sort of symptomatic of, of the age in which we're living at the moment, myself included as, as one of them. So, you know, from the inside, uh, it's it's been a really fascinating journey. We have great people who are just really trying to step up to the challenges we face, you know, whether it's virtual parliament that we have in the UK and, and others around the globe, whether it's, you know, helping parish councils and the Jackie Weavers of this world do, do what they need to do. Uh, we've worked really hard to uh, keep you know, from big banks to the smallest SME that's gone online for the first time to, to keep their business alive, the personal trainer that's trying to uh, to keep their business alive uh, in this age. So, you know, from the inside, the challenges are many and they pop up in ways that you don't always expect. Uh, but I think the overall attitude to how Zoom has changed people's lives and the, the kind of pride that we have inside the company to keep people connected is really, really sings through right to the top of the company. Zoom has this incredible impact, certainly over the past year, and is, is really inserted very intimately into people's lives. It's part of their work. It's part of their leisure. It's part of their family time. How is that different as a, as a work challenge, as a communicator compared to other brands you've worked for in the past? Zoom is, you know, a fantastic place to work and you have, there, there are lots of use cases and lots of ways in which you can sort of illustrate how the, how the product um, has been able to do uh, remarkable things, which is, which is a real pleasure to do. You know, my own background, I've worked for a number of politicians, I've worked um, for uh, an industry body, uh, you know, kind of representing the tech sector as a whole. And there's nothing quite like the sort of magic of working specifically on, on a product, on a platform, which has become a verb, which has become synonymous with things that, that have worked well um, during this, this kind of terrible past year. And 
you know, as we're sort of in early 2021 and, you know, touch wood, we're, we're looking forward to see, you know, what, what the world might look like past the virus. It's also a, a, a sort of coming of age of thinking about well, what, what can this new hybrid world look like? So from a, from a communications perspective and from, you know, my own experience of thinking about how do, you know, what does the future look like? How do we, um, how do we get there? What are the practical steps that businesses, uh, you know, small, large, whether it's it's in the social settings, whether it's in people's leisure time, you know, it's a real it's a real privilege to be able to to speak to to these organisations and think about what they're planning next. And in a way, there's a there's a there's a the, the canvas is very very large with on which to tell that story. That seems to me like it it also has some risks inherent in it. I suppose first of all, there's the, there's the possibility that you're kind of past the peak have we have we reached peak zoom as people start to integrate back into a person-to-person -person, uh, lifestyle but also that seems like a real high position from which to fall when you do have that position of trust in people's lives both uh, in personal life and business life how does defending that reputation compare to defending one that is perhaps a bit more more checkered more complex we had a, a product a platform that we believe was you know it's good and, and and helped a lot of businesses when it was predominantly a business to business platform so our growth as a company we're actually coming up to 10 years old uh, later this year so for a lot of people they think zoom is this kind of new player on the block right but we've actually been around in in different ways working with with all different parts of the economy for quite some time um you know your point on trust you know we have we take trust and safety as our absolute number one priority and i think it's fair to say at the start of the pandemic last year you know the company faced some transitional issues as we moved to having users using us in a totally different way uh moved to you know that that scale of 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 interactions going from you know going from from millions to hundreds of millions is is a big big step and you know we we worked really hard as a company to to try and make sure that that trust is maintained you know that where there were you know maybe negative headlines around meeting interruptions and so forth we 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 made sure that we put in place very rigorous safety and security steps to make sure those kind of issues were very, very quickly resolved. And the company did that in a very humble, open and transparent way. Um, we put in place a 90 day security plan where we basically put a freeze on any other product development unless it was focused on trust and security features. We've launched a new trust and security center on our website and the teams that are working on this stuff where there could be you know, the constant cybersecurity threats that, that any tech company faced. We've really grown at scale to make sure that we're we're combating those as, as best we can and, and really punching above our weight. And how do you go about scanning for new and emerging risks within the business? Great question. I mean, I think, you know, where things are moving at a really fast pace, you have to be constantly vigilant. And, you know, I sit within the government relations team, but work very closely uh, with the public relations team, work very closely with, um, you know, kind of compliance and ethics with, with different parts of the business that are all having that, though, that unique perspective, but you have to be able to track, I guess, both horizontally across particular, particular things that are popping up that may have different risks, but also um, in kind of vertical market segments as well. So if you're thinking about how Zoom is being used in an education context, tens of thousands of schools in the UK are using Zoom in some way. We want to make sure teachers are equipped with everything that they have to be able to use that 
use the product safely and securely with teachers who are under incredible pressure at the moment. So, you know, there when we're scanning for risks, it's also things can very, very quickly change. So in the in the, you know, particularly in different countries having different lockdown experiences and the rest of it. So, you know, we have a team of people who work very closely with our customers and our clients to make sure we're adapting, that we have solutions engineers on hand that can see potential problems for them as, as they arise and, and, and solve them quickly. So, you know, you, you have to be constantly vigilant. You have, in a way, you have to maintain that kind of startup attitude that is still very much hardwired into the company. And I think that that incredible growth experience uh, over the last year We've, we've been able to maintain during that we've been able to maintain that, that kind of that, that ability to, to move quickly and solve problems but also keeping focused on the bigger picture as well. Mm. I, I think that's really interesting because um, particularly when you're dealing with multiple markets multiple business sectors you obviously get emerging risks coming from lots of different places and some of those you can deal with as you've said with great engineers who are available on call to deal with problems right then and there. Others are perhaps more systemic or, or perhaps a, a slower burn. How do you go about prioritizing those different risks as a team to work out which ones you need to concentrate on right now, which ones you need to put in place a solution that is perhaps for the longer term? The list of potential things to look at, I mean, as, as, as with many kind of technology companies that, that act as platforms, it, you know, it's potentially quite sizable and you have, you have to focus in on, on the things that, that if you don't get those right, um, all the other things, although sort of nice to have as opposed to essentials to have, you know, you, you, they can kind of go out the window, you know, trust and safety of the platform, cybersecurity, the things that make sort of DNA of the product, um, you have to put those first. And in kind of public reputational terms, you know, that, that you, you, you know, a lot of the work we do in the press and the media will be about those themes because it's absolutely critical that that we we tell our story about how we've how we've adapted that we don't leave a sort of vacuum of information about what people think about Zoom vis-a-vis -vis competitors and so forth. So, you know, when I'm speaking to government stakeholders and political stakeholders, you know, that 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 has to be a key key theme to what we do. Because if you don't get that right, it becomes much harder to tell all the other positive parts of the story, how we've kept the economy connected, how we're almost, you know, part of the economic infrastructure in the way that many, many businesses are, are operating at the moment, what role we have to play in public services, in the NHS, in education, in local government, and Jackie Weaves and so on. You can't tell those kind of stories. You can't, unless you've got the, the kind of that, that core of trust and safety absolutely nailed on. A lot has moved very fast this year and we were talking about the swift move to scale and how you've got all these new team members. That's obviously a major internal communications challenge in itself on top of having many markets, many sectors. How do you manage that internal communications challenge? It is a tough one. We have, uh, you, you've sort of got, uh, you know, you've got your sort of traditional email for ex predominantly external facing stuff, but we actually use the, the Zoom products. We have a, a chat function that's built in. If you, uh, if a, a lot of people are, are starting to use that more and more beyond uh, the kind of Zoom face-to-face uh, -face interaction, um, we have a number of other products as well, but we actually use the tools of the product to keep ourselves um, connected. So, you know, kind of chat threads, project-based chats, and, you know, we, Yes, there, there is a lot of traffic that, co that goes through those, but you, you know, you're constantly being kind of vigilant to, to what matters, 
delegating in the team, knowing who point people are. And also we've got some fabulous people that work for us. You know, we're one of the one of the top rated companies on, on Glassdoor and we've been able to attract some incredible caliber of people. So when you're when you're in the lucky position that I am, that you get to work with people who are at the kind of top of their game, like fast tracking to what matters becomes becomes really um really at the heart of, of, of what we have to do. So you get these great people in the door, yourself included, and then you manage them rigorously with great tools. But it's hard to keep people motivated right now. It's like you guys are having a really busy time. The pandemic just keeps going. How do you keep your team on track in terms of motivation and helping them to perform? We are really uh, lucky here that we have so many great, great people that come to work for the for the company, many of whom are exactly motivated by the fact that we have these big you know these big fast moving challenges and opportunities in front of the company you know no one day is ever the same for me and my team you know you can be working on uh you know has an mp uh accidentally shared details of their meeting online that they shouldn't have done and working to get that get that taken down you can be um working to make sure that you know nhs providers are are getting the support that they need uh, with colleagues in my public sector team to make sure what what we're doing to deliver um, appointments and surgeries online and so forth that that's that that's happening as best it can be. You know, there is a real 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 range of stuff that comes in, and you know, and then some. Sometimes you have just like all of all of the alerts in your inbox will be about Jackie Weaver or some 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 Zoom event that's happened that week. But there's there is the kind of constant. Um, fascinating aspects that go on behind the scenes you know like how how do we maintain really good relationships or, or grow relationships with um whether that's uh, wider organizations uh you know such as you know whether it's in the third sector or, or or you know we do work with organizations like the internet watch foundation with we protect on child online safety those kind of issues how do we kind of really make sure that we're we're where we need to be and actually if you if you're in you know reputation profession if you're in whether it's corporate comms or government relations you're naturally very motivated to to get involved in these kind of uh, areas right so i think we stay motivated because it's, it's a group of really can-do people that want to make sure that we're equipping zoom with those with those tools to keep our reputation high it sounds like in general it has been a pretty positive year for zoom what have the hardest bits been? Yeah, the, I think there, there definitely there were definitely moments of 2020 that that really challenged the company and the, and the way that it would think about the sort of new world in which it was finding itself. One moment that really sticks in my mind, you might remember it, Daisy. The prime minister tweeted uh, his mm. Zoom cabinet yeah. meeting. So you, you know, you had all the members of the cabinet, all, all sort of you know, everybody sort of doing you know from a from media perspective, looking at, you know, what is what is each cabinet member's background and, you know, what, what's their body language like? But it also raised the big issue because at the time, the top of the Zoom meeting used to have uh, the meeting ID number. So all of a sudden, there was this incredible focus on should the, the meeting ID of a cabinet meeting be, be possible to be seen in public domain? What security challenges does that pose? And, uh, you know, out of nowhere, there's, there's this huge, huge focus on, on the company in a political context and a wider security context that, that it hadn't, hadn't really experienced in that way before. Uh, and, you know, 
with, with all the sort of social media aspects of it, the media interests and, and so forth. So, you know, I've, I've mentioned, you know, all the security steps that have been taken and for, for those listeners that are regular Zoom users, you will note that the meeting ID is no longer at the top of the screen. Our password uh, protocols and defaults have, have changed and we've, we've done a lot of work to update uh, all our users on, on those steps. Uh, but, you know, there are these sort of moments, this this was before I joined, but there's this kind of moment in the company which, you know, all kind of hell breaks loose because, you know, a head of state has has done something which which people don't understand if it's safe safe or not and you've got to go in tell that story explain what's happened and then change 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 things as, as they're needed uh, so yeah there are definitely moments like that where zoom is just used in a very public public way you work specifically on on government affairs and how how those political stakeholders view you how do you see that as interacting with all the various other reputations that Zoom has to maintain with, with consumers, with the public in general, with businesses? How does that all interlock in your mind? I think any government relations team needs to work really kind of hand in glove with public relations team. So uh, you, you know that what is what is being projected out there, you know, sort of passes the political smell test uh, is really, really important. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I know a lot of companies don't, don't have this environment, but I'm very lucky that government relations is actually brought in really early on to, to a lot of the discussions around whether that's product development, whether that's thinking about how stuff gets launched into public domain. You know, for example, when we're thinking, you know, last week we had an, a, an announcement out about a lot of our return to office suite of tools that we've launched and, you know, government relations is, is brought in as part of that discussion. That equips me to be able to go and have conversations uh, with different departments, with the centre about, you know, how the world can look different post-COVID and, and what role we have to play as a, you know, kind of part of the economic infrastructure of, of, of what the new normal could look like. So, you know, I think being brought in early uh, to discussions is really, really critical. And, and I'm very, very lucky that, that there is that culture at Zoom. You know, we've seen the experiences of other tech companies where maybe, you know, that the sort of product has led to some of the thinking about the, the socio-political reality in which companies have to operate. To, to kind of negative uh, consequence, you know, we've all sort of seen the, the you know, awkward hearings of CEOs in front of congressional committees. You know, nobody nobody wants their firm to be to be in that in that in that sort of place where, you know, it, it can get a bit tricky. So, being brought in early is is really really important. So, you know, that's definitely uh, something I think most startups uh, who go through an incredible growth trajectory should be really really thinking about. Is that the number one thing to avoid then for you? Is uh, avoid as many select committees as possible? No, I would. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know people who, who absolutely, uh, you know, love a select committee period. So, like, um, I think, you know, you've got to be honest. You've got to be humble. You've got to be straightforward. You know, if, if you're doing this stuff right, there should be, you know, you should be able to have the conversations that you're having privately with politicians anyway in, in in a public context and that you you know obviously it does come with risks and you know you've got to be able to answer questions head on I think for a lot of firms that, that feel that they're they're somewhat evasive on a question that's that's where you can get into real trouble so having you know straightforward uh, answering questions answering straight questions to the straight answer is you know absolutely key I, I don't know whether you know Zoom will be in that kind of context whether it's talking about you know the very pos- positive aspects of what the what the company has done in terms of helping you know the role that we've played 
uh, in keeping economy and society connected, you know, how we see the future of, of work as a result, you know, you know, we're always up for having those kind of discussions in, in, in any forum. Um, and I think being open and straightforward is, has got to be the way to go. Hopefully, some of the disruptions that we've experienced in 2020 and now into 2021 will prove to be relatively short term, though obviously not as short term as we might have hoped at the start. How have they changed Zoom's plans? We had a plan as Zoom at the at the beginning of, of 2020, and you know that that plan got got you know <laughs> got amended pretty 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 quickly. Um, you know, I think we've just come to the end of our our financial year which 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 ended at the end um, end of january so you know there's been this sort of moment actually where we're able to take a bit of stock we're able to look forward and think what does the year ahead look like how do we think about what's going on in, in different markets how do we think about all the suite of products and solutions that we offer how do they help countries that are going through different variations of you know what we have in terms of lockdown in the UK, countries which maybe have got a tougher time ahead of them. But for us, the product has always been about operating. You know, you know not just during a pandemic, but in in a in 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 regular times as well. So, you know, we see companies. You know, you can see lots of YouGov polling on this. Uh, that's thinking about you know the number of companies who are really thinking that they won't return to work as normal. That hybrid working, that flexible working, that being more family friendly is actually really, really good for the workforce. And there are a lot of um, perhaps inefficiencies in the traditional workplace um, that, that can be thought about differently. So when we, when we have our conversations, whether that's with you know, our, our very large customers through to the smallest startups and, and SMEs, we're constantly thinking about how, uh, you know, how, how does our product help over the longer term and, and, and you know, create those productivity, you know, acting as a real, real kind of unified communications tool across all things that a company wants to do. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's a great question. I think it's, you've, you've got to be constantly uh, understanding how the world's adapting. And for us, we, we believe that we are, you know, fully a company for, for, you know, kind of all, all, all eventualities. If you were doomed to repeat 2020 over again, what would you do differently? Well, I don't think anyone wants to repeat 2020 over again. It's, it's been, uh, I think, I think it's got, that one's definitely gonna gonna go down in the history books for for many many different reasons. But if Zoom was if Zoom was doomed uh, to repeat 2020, I think again I'd come back to this this point around trust and safety. We worked really really hard and put a lot of resource into. To, to deepening our, our features around trust, security, safety. And I mentioned before, we, we implemented a 90-day plan where that was all our engineers worked on was to make sure the product adapted for this uh, incredible growth in consumer use uh, to hundreds of millions that, that hadn't happened before. So we did those things. Could we have done them quicker? I think we, we moved as fast as we could at the, the, the sort of scale that, 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 that was being thrown at us. But I think what we could have done more of was certainly how we communicated out those new features more quickly so that users of Zoom had that information as soon as possible at their fingertips of how, of how to implement a lot of these new features. And you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting lesson, I think, for companies because 
in the in the sort of vacuum of kind of showing what we were doing and all the great steps they're saying you know rumors can take hold or misunderstanding can take hold and we were so focused on the engineering side that um you know we i mean obviously we were doing a lot of communication but i think we you know i think we'd all agree we could have gone further to stop um any misconceptions around around the safety of the platform um but that's something now it's it's totally hardwired in our dna so you know i can't you know we will continue to to put that put that at the forefront going forward that seems like a, a great lesson to draw from a from a pretty crummy year um actually it has a lot of parallels in politics when i worked in politics we used to always say if you're not bored of saying it then the public haven't heard it yet you have to say it so many times that the entire office groans when you mention it um although i think we can all name some politicians who have taken that too far as well <laughs> um thank you so much charlotte this has been really fascinating i'd love to end with um just by asking you if you have any tips for our our audience of listeners are there things that you have learned this year that you would recommend to other communicators Oh, that's a great question. I mean, in terms of ways in which you can use Zoom, the thing that makes my life just so, because communicators have, uh, are just so time poor, right? Like we've just got constant, there's a constant flow of things we need to, to be to be looking at. The thing that like was, I didn't realize existed before I joined Zoom was the Zoom add-on to my uh, Google Calendar so that I can just instantly diarize a meeting with a Zoom link without having to copy and paste and switch stuff across that I mean that was just you know if, if you're time poor and you that, I that's have a it godsend. and I love it uh strong <laughs> recommendation as well on that one <laughs> excellent and, and I think more broadly in terms of the conversation I mean you know I think when you've got to move at scale I think picking the agency and support staff around you really wisely knowing people that you can trust to act as your extended team uh moving really quickly is is really is really key as well if you've got to move at pace having that trust and that that responsiveness is really important so we're very lucky that we work with a fabulous pr agency and a fabulous um uh public affairs agency as well so having people you trust when you have to essentially start uh you know i started a government relations function from scratch in the uk and ireland being able to move at pace and picking a good team around you is is absolutely key That's everything from us. A big thank you to my guest, Charlotte Holloway from Zoom. My biggest takeaways from this interview were, first, that growing fast is hard, but exciting, and that communication is key to mitigating any growing pains. That puts an extra burden on us as reputation professionals, but also gives us an exciting role to play. Second is something that Charlotte said about getting the basics right that you can't tell the positive stories unless you've got the core nailed on. For Zoom, that core is trust and safety. What is it for your company? And finally, what really stood out to me was a perennial lesson about communications. Even if you are doing the right thing, you cannot assume that your stakeholders or your customers will have noticed. You need to keep telling them over and over and over again until you are sick of mentioning it. Only then might you have got the message across. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll join me in two weeks' time when I'll be speaking to Chris Lowe from Asda about safeguarding the reputation of a supermarket during the pandemic. To make that easier, 
please do find us at whyeverybodyhatesyou.co.uk and click subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. I would also be really grateful if you could leave us a review if you get the chance, as reviews help new listeners to find the show. Thank you for listening to Why Everybody Hates You. And remember, you are not alone.